Back then, little Frank Miller held my heart in his hands. Now it's the other way around. When the Millers first brought their boy, all stunted and crooked, into my clinic in Cleveland, I knew he wasn't long for this world. A year, maybe more? I was almost exactly right. What can I say? Bad things happen, even to the Amish. The clinic was a pro bono service I provided to Amish families who either could not afford, would not use, or found no help from the traditional medical system. I did it, the pro bono work, for myself mostly, for the prestige and the philanthropic credit, and for the research too. And then there were the tax breaks. I could hide a lot of income by running a free clinic. I'm no saint, but for some reason I can't explain, I loved Frank from the first time I saw him. Or maybe it was pity. I can't say I know enough about love to know the difference. It didn't take long for me to realize that Jonah and Ellen Miller were losing Frank to a condition caused by disproportionate dwarfism, a surprisingly common trait in some of the Amish communities of Ohio due to the tight and shallow gene pool. But that's not all. Frank wasn't just short and bent. He was autistic, too. Is autistic, present tense. It's not like he's dead. Only his old body is. For now, Frank still has a shot at life. And I'm the only hope he has. The boy was only moderately autistic when I met him. Autistic enough that it made treating his other health problems even more difficult. Not that there was ever much hope for Frank. It hurt me to say this then, and it hurts even more now, but Frank never had a chance in his old body. He was going to die no matter what. I was only doing the free doctoring bit part-time, and as I said, helping the Amish wasn't even one of the main reasons I was doing it. I'm just trying to be honest here. That first day, when Frank came in with his parents, I saw how insurmountable his troubles were. His crooked little body. His fractured mind. Rocking back and forth and gripping two big bolts in his malformed hands, his body already showed signs of the genetic afflictions that would kill him. He said prayers when he got worked up or when something riled him. Sometimes in English, the prayers, but usually in Pennsylvania Dutch. And he only communicated to me after I'd been working with him for over six months. Before that, he'd submit to examination, but that was all. There was no relationship or communication between Frank and me at the beginning. And at that first meeting, it was like I didn't exist to him. I probably didn't. But eventually, I broke through. And as unbelievable as it might sound, Frank and I became friends. Not that I was doing all of this because I'm some kind of angel. I'm not. I had selfish motives then and I have selfish motives now. I've said that already. But it's true. I try not to lie to myself. But I did love Frank. I do. The first time he spoke directly to me, he looked me in the eye and asked me if I knew what it was like to die. That question is harder than it seems. I've seen men die up close, and I've been responsible for deaths, too. I'm a doctor and a scientist, and I work for the government making weapons that kill people and break things. Death is a part of my job. It's my business. It's why I drink so much. It's not the genetics. My father was a teetotaler, and so was his father before him. My mom would drink a glass of wine at parties, but I never saw her drunk. Believe me, if I could blame my problems on my parents, I would. Mother says you might be able to save me, Frank said to me the first time he ever spoke directly to me. Six months into our relationship, and I've been seeing him three or four times a week. Suddenly, he talked. I'll do my best, I said. But even then, I knew.
His eyes met mine in a moment of clarity, a moment of prophecy. You're not God, you know. Yeah, I said. I know. Frank half smiled then. No one else would have called it a smile. It was just a glint in his eyes and a slight upturn at the corner of his mouth. But I could tell he smiled. I'm going to go to heaven. And when I do, I'll be big, he said. I know, Frank, you will. But we're going to try to keep you here a bit longer. Is that okay? Frank shrugged and began to rock back and forth. He gripped his comfort bolts, one in each hand, and looked up at me again. You're not God, you know. And that was it. The light went out, and I was dead to him again. The next time he talked to me, he told me how to milk a cow.